Fichtner's novel, The Final Beast, a pastor counsels with a woman who is heartbroken over having had an extramarital affair. Later, another person asks the pastor if he had told this woman God had forgiven her. No, the pastor said, but I told her I forgave her. And that prompts the other person to say, but she doesn't know God forgives her. That's the only power you have, pastor, to tell her that. What on earth do you think you were ordained for? What indeed? The forgiveness of sins. It is such an important truth, it gets its own line in the Apostles' Creed. Today on Groundwork, we will ponder our confession, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Stay tuned. From Words of Hope and Reframe Media, this is Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose. And uh, Dave, this is now the 11th program. Uh, in our overall series of 12 programs on the whole Apostles' Creed, and it's actually the third program in the third section, uh, the Holy Spirit section of the Apostles' Creed. And uh, we've been noting, Dave, that in this third section, after we confess our belief in the Holy Spirit, that we're looking at things that count as the work uh, of the Holy Spirit. And um, just to refresh our memories, uh, here's how it goes in the Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And today we're just on that line, the forgiveness right. of sins. And uh, so uh, in the last program, we looked at the work of the Holy Spirit in gathering the church. Uh, the Lord Jesus does it through his spirit and with his word. So really it's the word of God, the gospel, the scriptures, under the power of the spirit that bring people to faith in Christ and and become part of the church. And that's also the communion of the saints, this wonderful community of fellowship with God in Christ and with one another. So now we've come to this next wonderful truth about forgiveness. And forgiveness of sins is sort of, Dave, uh, what gets us into that community, what gets us into that Holy Catholic Church, what gets us into that communion, that fellowship of the saints. It's God's forgiveness of us. And uh, the phrase, Dave, is only four words long in English, but boy, it packs a wallop because what we have in the forgiveness of sins is really the core of the gospel, the core of what makes the good news good news. Absolutely. And it's uh, one of the most wonderful truths about God that we could ever imagine, that God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God of grace and mercy. You know, it makes me think of the little story in the gospel, Scott, where Jesus is confronted with a man who's paralyzed, and he says to him, the, the guy who was let down right, through the roof, yeah. and he says to him, your sins are forgiven. And the bystanders look at that and say, well, what, what is he saying? How, only God can forgive sins. Bingo. That's exactly right. right. That's the point. So God is the one who can and does forgive. And the bystanders are also a bit gobsmacked by that because it's like, Lord, he came to get his legs fixed. <laughs> but Jesus says, first things first, the forgiveness of sins. Then I'll fix your legs. Yeah, as if um, the more important thing is that. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, Dave, uh, we, we, we know that Jesus in the New Testament talked about forgiveness and so forth. But it's not just a New Testament thing. All through Israel and the history of God's people in the Old Testament, uh, God's penchant, we could say, God's eagerness to extend love and grace, it's his number one trait. Uh, and it gets celebrated in places like Psalm 103. Yeah, these are familiar words, I hope. I hope uh, this psalm is dear to you. Uh, but it begins, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
And then it begins to enumerate them, beginning with, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And that's God's reputation. He's a forgiver. And that was true in Israel. I think we've noted before, Dave, one of the oldest heresies in the church. It was taught by a man named Marcion who said, boy, you know, the God of the Old Testament is just angry and vindictive. It must be a different God than the one that Jesus calls Father in the New Testament. Well, not true. The yeah. God, God is a forgiver from Genesis to Revelation, first to last. Yeah, we mentioned Psalm 103. I also think of Psalm 131, a, a brief psalm that has uh, the question, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I I love that line, but there is forgiveness with God. Because, you know, there isn't forgiveness with a lot of people. (laughs) There's no forgiveness really on Twitter, or at least very little. But God is different. God is willing and ready and compassionate to forgive our sins, and he doesn't, you know, necessarily keep a record of them and jot everything down. God's chesed in Hebrew, uh, that is the number one word for which in the Psalms in particular, God is praised. Chesed, it's that untranslatable word. It means loving kindness. It's really the Old Testament equivalent of grace. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace that God forgives your sins. And in fact, Dave, in a kind of humorous, upside-down way, God's reputation for being a forgiver was something you even saw in the character of Jonah, right? So we remember the story, many of us, Jonah was called by God to go preach repentance to the Ninevites. And Jonah runs away. He goes to Tarshish. He says, I'm not going to do it. And early in the book, we're not sure why. Was he afraid they were going to attack him? Was he afraid he was going to fail? No. Turns out, Jonah's big fear was that he would succeed and that they would repent. And then He says when God does forgive them near the end of the book, and God does, he forgives them, and Jonah is ticked about it, and he prays to God about it. Yeah, and this is from Jonah 4, uh, this little masterpiece, just four chapters long, that tells the story of Jonah. But the climax comes in the last chapter where we're supposed to look at Jonah and say, how ridiculous can you get? Because Jonah prays to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And Jonah there is quoting the heart of the Old Testament confession of praise to God. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love in the old version, or uh, abounding in love in that chesed that you were talking yeah. about. And Jonah uses it as a criticism. Yeah. He, he says, I knew it. This is the problem with you, God. I knew if I preached to those Ninevites, you were going to go soft on them. Yep. And I want them I want him wiped out. Jonah quotes beautiful words with a sneer. But the the point is, that's how well-known God's reputation for forgiveness was. And unfortunately for Jonah, and the lesson of the book of Jonah, of course, is that this is such a great gift, you can't 
just keep it at home. You can't hoard it just for Israel. You should want it to come to more people. Actually, when we close this program today, yeah, we're going to talk right. a little bit more exactly. about that. But the point being, even Jonah knew that God, um, it's not that God's a softy, right? I mean, God's wrath on sin is real, and we'll, we'll think about that in the next segment too. But he is quick to forgive. And in this case, when it came to the Ninevites, uh, it, it made Jonah angry. But that was God's reputation. He likes to forgive. He's desperate to forgive. Yes, he will judge sin if we refuse his forgiveness, but if we want it, he is so happy uh, to give it to us. Right. But forgiveness is not the same thing as pardon. God will never just excuse sin. He'll never just say, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, Don't worry about it. Forget about it, like we sometimes do with little things. Sin is such a serious problem that for God to forgive it is going to take some pretty serious action on his part, and we'll look at that next. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Scott Jose, along with Dave Bast, and you're listening to Groundwork. And in this program, uh, the second to the last program, Dave, in our series on the Apostles' Creed, we're thinking about the forgiveness of sins. And you just said, Dave, forgiveness is not pardon, right? Sometimes we can excuse things. You, you step on my foot on the bus by mistake. I don't have to forgive you. I can just sort of let it go. It's like, ah, no big deal. It's not that sin isn't a big deal. In fact, it's a problem uh, all through the Bible because, Dave, even the best people in the Bible, and we can make a list, the best of the best, the most righteous, the people God tapped for special tasks, even they were perpetually in need of forgiveness. Well, that's the story of the Old Testament. Well, New Testament as well. I mean, you think of Abraham, the father of the faithful, he's called. And yet the first time he's tested, when he goes into a, a, another country, he's afraid. And so he lies about Sarah being his wife. And of course, David, the prime example, the man after God's own heart, it says, and he has this terrible sin where he not only commits adultery, but he murders in a very cowardly way uh, his lover's husband. And, and on and on it goes. Peter denies Christ. We all stumble and fall. So the need for forgiveness is repeated and regular in all of our lives, including the great saints. And so the question becomes, as you read the Bible, what could possibly snap this history-long pattern, this history-long cycle of even the best of people forgiving? Apparently, it's going to you know, take something pretty big to get this whole rotten mess of humanity out of this sinful condition. And of course, it did take something big. It took uh, the incarnation of the Son of God becoming flesh, becoming a real person, and it took his murder. It took his execution. And Paul writes about that um, in many places, but Second Corinthians 5 is a classic. Yeah, here's a good uh, passage that kind of gets at the heart of this, where Paul writes, all this is from God, th- this wonderful good news of the gospel, right. who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just a profound passage. Jesus paid it all. Jesus created kind of an entire ocean worth of water of forgiveness, and it's baptismal water, and it'll never run dry. And when we are baptized, when we get doused by that sea of forgiveness that Jesus' supreme sacrifice made possible, we are forgiven. Or as Paul famously put it in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And again, Dave, uh, this isn't God's excusing of sin or winking at it or just sort of saying, meh, no big deal. No, this is taking sin extremely seriously. And that's what forgiveness involves. And we'll think about that a little bit in a minute in terms of even our own lives. Yeah. But, you know, Neil Plantinga says, uh, what is forgiveness? And here's Neil Plantinga's very brief definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting go of an anger you have a right to feel. In other words, something truly bad was done here. Well, that's God writ large. God had a right to be angry about sin and evil. It marred his good creation, his good plan. He was right to be angry, and it took a lot for him to be able to drop it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Paul says it's so profound, uh, that passage that we read from 2 Corinthians 5, because Paul begins by saying, God reconciled the world to himself— And normally we think, well, I have to be reconciled to God in the sense of something has to happen in me that makes me turn to God or or want God or I have to repent or something. But what Paul says is, no, first something had to happen in God, Mm. uh, namely dealing with that righteous anger, that wrath. And he did that by making Christ to be sin for us so that our sin becomes his, his righteousness becomes ours. Uh, it's a profound mystery, really, how that all works, and we don't fully understand it, but we know that however it was, it was Christ's death on the cross that made it possible for God to forgive us and to do so righteously and justly. And indeed, that is what let God let his justifiable, righteous anger go. Uh, he let it go. One of the key Greek words, Dave, in the New Testament for forgiveness is the same word, just it means to release, to just let something go, to let something drop. And not only did God do that for all of our sins, but also now because we're kind of between the times yet, right? We've been redeemed, baptized, but we're not fully made new yet. We still mess up. And We're covered on that, too. So here's the Apostle John uh, in his first letter. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, and John wrote this because we all do, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeah, wonderful as well. I quoted earlier in the program from Psalm 131, there is forgiveness with you, Mm -hmm. the psalmist says to God, that you may be feared, uh, which is an interesting thing to add. And we might say, why didn't he say that you may be thanked or praised or loved, uh, which is all true. But I think it's because we never take forgiveness lightly. Mm -hmm. We never take it for granted. When we do go on sinning, John says, "I, I don't want you to sin. That's why I'm writing this. But if you do, 
just be sure that we still have this advocate. We still have this uh, Lord on our side, this Savior who died for us, and our sins can be forgiven. So, yeah, we kind of walk, as you said, Scott, a, a middle way, not wanting to sin, but when we do, knowing that God will forgive and again, that's because, and I like John's line there, um, it's not just our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. And of course, there's a debate in theology, universalism versus particularism. Is everybody going to be saved? One thing uh, all Christians agree on, though, is that there's enough power in Jesus to save all people. Uh, and if in the end, uh, those who are universalists who say hell will be empty, everybody will be uh, saved, Jesus won't have to do anything extra to ha- make that happen. It's already there. If it doesn't happen for everybody, well, that's a whole area we can't go into yeah. now. But there's enough there, and so when on a you know on a rolling basis, even in our lives as Christians, when we find ourselves needing to be forgiven again, sometimes by a spouse, but always by God, every right. sin is ultimately a sin against God. We're covered, uh, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're standing in grace. I think of a, a wonderful line one of my seminary professors suggested long ago that Christ's death is sufficient for the sins of the whole world. It's efficient for the sins of those who belong to him. Right. So uh, that's just a wonderful thing to remember. Yeah, we need to come to Christ and, and be in Christ and trust in Christ, but his death is of such wonderful efficacy that it could cover everything. But obviously a gift this big has some implications for all of us who receive it. And before we close out this program, we'll ponder what our receiving of the forgiveness of sins implies for how we behave every day. Stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose, and we're concluding now this program, Dave, on the forgiveness of sins, which is a powerful little part of the Apostles' Creed in the Holy Spirit section of the Creed. Our sins have been forgiven once and for all by grace alone. But if we've received this enormous gift, surely it implies a few things for how we're supposed to live from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was just thinking, you just reminded me of a story uh, I heard Rich Mao tell He said when he's backed into a corner theologically, he often quotes a hymn. And he was once asked, what's the distinctive thing about evangelical Christianity, evangelical faith? And he said, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Even so, it is well with my soul. So one great implication is we don't have to bear any guilt or any sense of uh, of sin anymore because 
Christ has covered it all. He's borne it away. Right. The implication of that, if we feel joy about that, and we do, right? The, oh, the bliss of this thought, that hymn Rich just uh, mild quoted that you just mentioned, Dave. Well, then we should go and do likewise. We are called to be forgivers too. God has a reputation for forgiving. We said that even in the Old Testament. God was his number one characteristic was, well, he's a forgiving God. People are supposed to look at us and say, those are forgiving people. And that's the kicker line from the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That packs a punch because it's sort of saying, if you don't forgive other people, you just show you don't get it, what it means that God forgave you. Because if you get it, you're going to want to spread that joy to others and let their sins drop. Jesus repeats this in a longer way in Matthew chapter 18 in a conversation that he had with Peter because Peter came up to him once and said to him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And no doubt Peter's thinking, wow, that's a lie. You know, seven's a perfect number. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Actually, some manuscripts read 70 times seven times, which would be 490. And I think the point that Jesus is making is don't keep count. You just keep on forgiving because that's what how God treats us. We've just been talking about that. We continue to sin. He continues to forgive. And then Jesus added a little parable. Yeah, the unmerciful servant, a well-known story, I think. Uh, there was a man who owed the king, let's say, $5 billion. No way he could ever pay it back. The king forgives him. Ah, I'm tearing it up, you know. And, oh, the man's happy. And he goes out and he sees a guy who owes him five bucks for lunch last week. Guy doesn't have the five bucks, so he throws him in prison. King hears about that, releases the $5 debtor, and throws this guy in prison because he showed he didn't get it. I forgave you five billion bucks and you couldn't let five bucks go? You didn't get it. And then the parable ends with this rather chilling line. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. So those of us who have been forgiven are called to be forgivers. Uh, And unlike Jonah, whom we looked at earlier, who loved it when he was forgiven as an Israelite, but he didn't want to see the Babylonians or the Ninevites or the Egyptians forgiven, that can't be true of us. We want to forgive as we've been forgiven because that's the family style of God. God has a reputation to be a forgiver. We should be of the same reputation in our lives. Yeah, and you know that parable— really invites us to stop and reflect on our own experience. People can do pretty horrible things, and this is not to make light of the harm that people do to each other. You may have had some experience where somebody deeply hurt you, something horrible, but compared to what God has forgiven us, that is relatively much less, and so we need to have this sense of proportion, the sense of perspective, that God has done so much for us. He's been so gracious to us. We need to try to be a little bit gracious toward each other as well. Right. And the other implication that we want to look at before we close in a moment, Dave, is not only do we forgive others, but we call others to come to God's repentance. And that began on the day of Pentecost. As soon as the Spirit was poured out, repent and be baptized, Peter preached, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's there for you. And it comes up elsewhere in the book of Acts as well. Here's a line from Acts 10. The apostles are saying, he, Jesus, God, commands 
commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It's the heart of our gospel proclamation. This is our witness. Right. We offer freely the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. So that preacher that you mentioned in the very uh, top of the program, Scott, he should have pronounced God's forgiveness, uh, not just his own, to those who do repent, who turn from their sin and embrace Christ by faith. That's really the good news. That's the essence, the heart of the gospel. Right, and even when we call people to repent, we do so with hopefulness. This is what makes our gospel witness winsome. Yeah. It's what makes it attractive. It's like Jesus' invitation, come to me. If you're weighed down by a sense of sin, if you're weighed down by guilt, then come to him and learn from him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's the good news of forgiveness in Jesus' name. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Dave Bast. Join us again next time as we conclude our study of the Apostles' Creed by studying the scriptures that inform our beliefs about the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Meanwhile, connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com. Tell us what Groundwork means to you. Make suggestions for future Groundwork programs. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Media in partnership with Words of Hope. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our studio relations manager is Christy Prinz, and our content and managing producer is Courtney Jacobs.